I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanny. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. Welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. Now, despite all the uncertainty we've had with border closures and the rest, we're hopefully edging closer to seeing the girls back on the cricket field very soon. So on top of the domestic cricket, we're expecting to kick off this month. As of this week, we've also got some international cricket back on the horizon. We sure do. New Zealand cricket have announced they'll be hosting Australia for three T20s and three ODIs in March and April, kicking off on March 28th. And this is just a huge series for Australia. Not only a chance to play again for the first time since October, but also a chance for a lot of players who haven't been to New Zealand before to get some experience over there a year out from the World Cup. Yeah, it's going to be massive. So we're expecting an Aussie squad to be named probably in the next month. LJ, you spoke to head coach Matthew Mott at the end of the WBBL season, and he hinted that there could be some surprise packets in that squad. He did, which was interesting, because you can't think there's too much change you could possibly make to a team that's won 21 ODIs in a row, but he did say that they're going over to New Zealand to year out from a World Cup, and they'd be kicking themselves if they had a hunch about a player who could be effective over there, and they didn't go and try them out. And I think you could expect them to take another big squad of 17 or 18 over there because of the quarantine. So. It's going to be very interesting to see who gets a run. Yeah, there's certainly lots to look forward to. And in good news for Aussie fans who are keen to watch that series, it will be broadcast on Foxtel and KO Sports. And our guest for today is a little different to what we usually have. So we spend so much time chatting to and talking about the amazing women who play this game. But this episode, we're chatting to match official Claire Polisak, who's made headlines and history this week, hasn't she, LJ? Yep, Claire became the first woman to ever officiate in a men's test match in the New Year's test at the SCG. She's been a trailblazer for years now, paving the way to get more women involved in the game through umpiring. Here's Claire.
Now we are joined today by Claire Polisak, who this week made history by becoming the first woman to umpire a men's test match in Sydney. Now, Claire, thank you for joining us on the Scoop podcast today. Firstly, are you able to tell us how cricket came to you, to, into your life? Like, are you, a, are you a lifelong fan and did you used to play the game yourself? Yeah, no, look, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I've never played cricket. Um, I, found, I grew up in Goulburn, which is sort of halfway between Sydney and Canberra, and I just there wasn't any girls' cricket, and I was, I guess, too scared to play with the boys. I know that lots of girls did, but I just wasn't interested in playing with the boys, and, and none of my friends were interested in playing with the boys. So I followed it from a distance. Um, every year we'd come up to the Sydney Test, and that was our sort of our summer final holiday. Um, and so I followed it. Yeah, and, and, and followed it from a distance, had, you know, had the Australian player, the men's players on, on my wall um, growing, growing up in, and it was just, loved it, followed it, um, but just never had the opportunity to play, really. So how did you find yourself in the umpiring system then? Yeah, well, when I was about 15 or 16, a friend came to school with a flyer and it was advertising the umpiring course. And so I was like, she, she said to me, my, her dad says, oh, you like cricket, you'll give this a go. And so, oh, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll try this. Um, so my dad would finish school in Goulburn. Um, he was a teacher, so he'd finish work in Goulburn. And then um, we, at that stage, the courses were only held at the SCG. Um, so you drive from Goulburn to Sydney for the course. The course runs over five nights plus an exam. So my, my poor father would do that for me. And then I, I failed the exam a number of times. I think maybe maybe at least two, potentially three times as well. Um, but every, I think, you know, being 15, never played cricket, um, it, it sort of didn't help. But every time I, I did the assessment, I got a little bit better. Um, so I can't really tell you why, but it was just something I was determined to do. So I think I'm really, I'm lucky that that my dad didn't say, you know what, you, you've tried enough, Let, let's find something else for you to do. Um, so then I, yeah, and then, uh, so I started umpiring in uh, men's club cricket in Goulburn. And then when I moved to uni- Sydney um, for university, I started in the men's uh, competition in 2008 and since then I've just sort of worked my way um, a little bit higher as, as we've as we've come through so enjoy enjoying the ride that's for sure amazing I bet so when you were a 15 year old girl doing the umpiring course I bet there weren't many other 15 year old girls yeah there were none <laughs> <laughs> uh, lots of older white males um, yeah. and I think the, the face of umpiring is definitely changing uh, at least my experience in Sydney um, we've got a much more of a, a range of diverse people um, that, that are umpiring now which is great to see. Awesome well yeah you're definitely leading the charge there and so Claire you were the fourth umpire in the New Year's test at the SCG making you the first woman to officiate a men's test match which was a pretty widely celebrated achievement as it should be so tell us about what that uh, that milestone meant to you and how you found out and how you found the day. Yeah I think it it really sums up what 2020, um, we just don't know what's going to be thrown at us. Um, and so uh, it was just a bit of discussion with Sean Easy, our match manager, uh, our match officials manager of Cricket Australia about um, knowing that there was travel restrictions for other people and we'll just sort of be in conversations with him about if it'd be possible. Um, and then every time we had to fill in a lot of um, medical questions about where we'd been and, and what what activities we've been doing. And I was, I'd already been in lockdown um, for, for where I live. And then every time an email came back with another question to answer, I was like, oh, hang on. They're not saying no yet. And it just every, every email came back with, oh, can you just answer this question? Can you just answer this question? And so, you know, I was able to jump through the hoops from that side of things. 
Um, and then, you know, finally got, got the confirmation from the ICC um, and entered the, the Men's International Hub um, with a bunch of great guys. Um, the, the team is fantastic. Uh, really, really lucky to be working with them. So. And how was the day? How was the first yeah, day? Um, first day was a bit of weather around. Um, I think they got maybe seven overs in before we had a, a lengthy rain delay. Um, and so for those who aren't aware, um, the, the fourth umpire, um, the role is really about supporting the on-field umpires and making sure they can just concentrate on what they're doing. And a big part of that is managing ground weather and light and, and monitoring the, the conditions outside and, and dealing with the ground staff and other stakeholders so to try and uh, maximise play. So it was it was definitely a busy couple of days first up um, until the rain, until the rain um, disappeared for us but it was good it was a really good experience and put us in the shoes of a, a match official on a day of a men's test match what's the routine like and what are some of the challenges and what's going through your mind yeah so it started early um we because the, the fourth umpire um is there before the the main umpires and we're also there before the players get there to make sure that the um everything is right and right to go and then so it's the, you know, got, got there, um, our DRS technician also looks after our communications. And so he wires us up with the radio and then we're pushed out onto the middle of the field pretty much um, to guard the pitch, make sure there's no players uh, on it uh, before, before the game starts. And then once the toss has happened, we take the new balls to the bowling team and they get to choose their two balls that they want. And then it's all about anticipating and trying to be one step ahead of the game, I guess, um, to, again, just to make sure it's as smooth as possible for the, for the main umpires. Um, so an example of that would be um, ma- making sure the new ball's ready um, at the 80th over, which I know there might've been an issue about in the, in the, Melbourne, uh, in the Melbourne test match, but that's caused us a bit faster. Just being aware of the, those sort of game situations, um, letting the players know when drinks are um, and, and to keep the game running as smoothly as possible. So I guess my, my initial thought was, oh, I need to make sure um, I don't um, miss anything for the player, for the umpires. I don't want to add to their stresses of the, of the game. So that was what was primarily in my, my thought processes was how can I help them uh, do the best that they can. And what are like to you, what do you find are the biggest challenges with umpires? And like, do you get nervous before you walk out to umpire a match? I think nerves are good because nerves mean that you care about what you want, what you do. And they mean that you care about wanting to do well. Um, so for me, I try and imagine nerves. So I get nerves whenever I go out onto the field. It doesn't matter if it's um, a club game or a men's game or a women's game, it doesn't matter. Um, and it's for, I try and imagine the butterflies in my tummy are, are all flying in the same direction. And so the way that we get them flying in the one direction is to make sure that we prepare as well as we possibly can. So, you know, we read the positions, we have had a good night's sleep, hydrate well, and, and then, you know, each one of those little butterflies starts going in the same direction, which means that you, you just, I mean, umpires are going to make mistakes, um, just like mistakes, um, but what can we learn from them and what can we do to try and minimise them where, where we can? That's really cool. So what sort of preparation can you do for a game before you're out there? Yeah. So I guess fourth umpire is a little bit different um, because it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, fourth umpire is a little bit different, but for a normal, for a normal match of on field or third umpire, um, it's the, you know, the hydration leading into the game, the few days beforehand, eating well, um, if available, head down to the nets um, and do a session with the teams, especially when you haven't seen those teams before, or if there's new players, You've not that you've not met often that's a really good relationship building opportunity um and i mean umpiring is you've got your ins and your outs but so much of it is match management communication so building relationships is really important so you know if possible net session before the game um and then 
you know, um, the day before the game, we actually go out. Sorry, not the day. Well, the day before the game, we do do a venue inspection uh, at matches and then making sure everything is, is ready. The balls are there. The stumps are there. Um, the sight screens are put up properly. Meet with the match manager in the, and maybe broadcast, depending on the, the type of game. And then the morning of the match, uh, I like to have uh, poached eggs uh, on toast, if possible. Um, and, and then um, when we get to the ground, get there nice and early. And we actually, just like the batters um, take guard for themselves, we also take guard behind the stumps. And so we get our partner to mark that for us. And if you're ever at a game early enough, you might notice that the two umpires, the way that we decide what end we're going to start at is that we toss the bail. And whichever end um, is the longer end, that's the end that the taller umpire goes to. So if you ever see, if you're ever, you've got to be at a ground early, um, but if two umpires standing back to back, that's because they're trying to work out who's going to be taller um, before we throw the bail to, to toss the bail for ends. So there's a couple other little things uh, for preparation there. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a different sort of beast, really. Um, Crazy. Do they do that around the world, the flipping the bail and working out the height? 100%. 100%. 100%. It's a pretty well, um, a pretty strong umpiring tradition, I guess. Yeah, yeah, nice. I guess, well, there are so many things that, like, most fans don't sort of know about umpiring. What are some of the, the personality traits and the qualities that you need to be a successful umpire? Yeah, I think being a, a good communicator uh, is definitely up there. Because you can make a, a fantastic decision, um, absolutely great decision, and then ruin it with a poor explanation. So you need to you need to be able to communicate that way, and then also dealing with the players. And when there's some tense situations, um, that match management, I guess, as well, is really important. Um, but I mean, all you know, you do need to know the laws and the playing conditions of the match that you're involved in, um, and I mean, conflict resolution skills, um, and then also. Um, being calm and composed under pressure, I think, would also be really important. And there, what's really, oh, I get really excited about umpiring, really, sorry. Um, but like, what's, what's really important about those sort of skills is that they're transferable to other aspects of life as well. Um, so it's something that when uh, in my, my day job with Crete, New South Wales, um, and, and talking to younger girls or younger people about umpiring, try and sell that to them about how they can develop these other skills. And it's a lot nicer to earn some money umpiring on a Saturday than flipping burgers. In my personal opinion, um, it's just a nicer way to do it. Absolutely. And when you started out umpiring, did you know that was something you could make a career out of? You were a school teacher, I think, originally? Yeah. If, you, if you'd have told 16-year-old Claire that by the time she was 32, she would have travelled overseas 10, 10 or 11 times for cricket, she'd be like, no way. That's that's not going to happen. Um, so I've been I think been really lucky in the opportunities I've gotten. Um, as you said, Laura, I was a, a school teacher, um, and then the it it was different. And a lot of umpires around the country have this same problem with managing expectations of work, and then also trying to umpire and trying to, to work their way up the pathway. As I'm sure lots of players, it wouldn't be too dissimilar, I imagine, to players who are on the fringe, on the fringe of in their states. And it, it came, um, school was fantastic. Um, they were really, really supportive of my umpiring. But there was one term four where I, um, I had one five-day week at school. And so it just sort of got to the point where, like, school's like, look, we like your umpiring, but we just sort of need you in the classroom. Like, yeah, you know what, that, that's, that's fair enough. I completely understand that. Uh, and so at the time, I was also um, approached by Cricket New South Wales for an umpire educator female engagement role um, part-time three days a week with them. 
And I was like, well, year nine boys and Bunsen burners or teaching people how to be an umpire. I'm like, let's, let's, I know it's an easy decision really to me. Um, so I've been there, yeah, I've been there since uh, 2016 um, and, and just absolutely loving the role um, with them. And then when I am doing uh, in winter when it's a little bit quieter, I do some casual teaching uh, on the side. So I just, I love teaching. Um, so now I'm just, just doing a different sort of teaching really. How good. And so obviously right now you're a trailblazer living the dream, officiating men's test matches. Was there ever a point, if you think back to the early stages of your career, where you faced any resistance from people around the, around the sport for you being a, a female umpire just because it wasn't quite the norm? Yeah, I think I, I genuinely think I've been lucky. Um, there have been minor um, experiences, and this is, this is an example when I first started out in Goulburn and I was umpiring and a friend was driving past her. She stopped to, to watch the game and we came off the field and she went, did you realise that when the players appealed at your end, they were appealing a lot louder than they were to your, to your partner? And being on field, I hadn't actually noticed that there. And then I think with, with being in Sydney, um, moving, I moved through the, the system quite slowly initially, I guess. I took a, a long time to get to third grade and then a few, you know, to get to, to second grade and first grade. So I sort of... Um, you get to know the players and you sort of move up the grades as the same rate as the players. So there's, there's been games where I've, um, uh, you know, in first grade men's, but you saw that the player five years ago in third grade. So it, it's, that helps again with relationships. And I don't think, um, I don't think players care if you're male or female, as long as you, you do your best at getting the decisions right. Cause that's, it doesn't matter if it's a test match or if it's, you know, an under 12s match, the, the players want test match level umpires, um, and so it's it's just about um, I think doing the best you can and being a genuine person is, is what the players can sniff out. They can sniff out a fake um, straight away, I think, or someone who doesn't want to be there. In fact, one of the Indian players the other day he said, "Oh, you're always smiling." And I said, "Yeah, I enjoy what I do," and he's like, "Yeah, no, you should enjoy what you do." So it's it's yeah, they they want to know that you want to be there. I think at, at any level of cricket. Yeah, and. When- you very much the only female umpire when you first started out in men's cricket was like were people a bit surprised to see you yeah I think so um sometimes you would walk off the field of play I've got a couple of scenarios that pop into my head when you say that um walk off the field of play take off your hat and like oh I didn't realize that there was a female out there I was like or, or you go to the grounds and like oh we're gonna have to open up the female toilets and yeah I, I, I would appreciate you to open up the female toilets for me um and I mean I've had um in 12 years of umpiring, I can only think of one umpire who has not been um, as welcoming. So it was when I rocked up for my second year, um, second second season in Sydney, and he sort of looked me up and down and he said, oh, you're back again, are you? I was like, yeah, what, what's your problem? He's like, oh, you can't do this as long as I can. I went, well, we'll see about that. And to his credit, he is still umpiring, um, so he's been going a while. But he's, um, you know, it's everyone else, though, um, has has been fantastic. I, I've not had any other experiences that to my face anyway, and the same, you know, players or umpires to, to my back doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. Well, I bet that guy's not umpiring international test matches. No, he's not. <laughs> there you go. And Claire, you've also played your part in plenty of women's cricket matches over the years. Obviously you were, you were the first female umpire for a WBBL match and you were on the field for the WBBL 06 final this year. Um, is that something you've enjoyed seeing the women's game go from strength to strength over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think it, I think it really shows that when you invest in something, um, what how the quality will change, and that's 
anything. It's not just women's cricket, it's anything in general. And I think, when, I think it was in was it 2016 when the New South Wales Breakers um, became fully professional team um, from contract wise. In fact, we might need a fact checker on that, but it was about then. Um, and it really, it just showed that if you invest in something, um, it'll grow. And I think that's, it's just fantastic to see. I mean, the, the fielding is fantastic. The girls hit the stumps so many more times than the boys do. Um, and it's just it's just fantastic to watch, really. It's it's cricket, and and to watch um, at the you know the WBBL games where we can have had or in the past we've had crowds watching, to to see little boys and little girls watching the game uh, is really special. And um, there's been uh, umpires who have younger kids and or boys, and they just watch whatever cricket's on TV. They don't care what it is. Um, and I think it's important for, for them to see it's just cricket. It's just a sport for, for everybody. And have you seen that that shift also come just in the way the contribution of women is valued in all areas of the game, not just players and officials, but coaches, administrators and everything else? Yeah, and I, I think it's it's definitely grown. I mean, even just was it just the other day where Cricket New South Wales have announced the um, female coaching internship. Um, so providing more opportunities there, um, I think about creating an awareness that it's possible um, is important. There's a female uh, who's umpiring, it might be her fourth season with me, uh, or sorry, not with me, she, her fourth season umpiring. Um, and she was one of my, uh, when I first started um, my role at Creek New South Wales, one of the first recruits, I guess, for want of a better word. And when she first started, she actually said to me, I've always wanted to be an umpire, but I've never known how to do it, or I've never known how to become one. And so I think it's just about, you know, in any aspect, if it's coaching or admin or umpiring, it's just about showing that it's possible and, and creating that awareness. Um, and, and people who are interested will come along. I mean, where what are we, 51 or 49% of the population? Um, and there'll be a lot of people out there that like cricket or, you know, um, and, and being involved that way as well. Yeah. So you've mentioned your role at Cricket New South Wales as a, is it female uh, engagement officer for umpires? Yeah, so it's umpire educator stroke female umpire. So it's uh, I look at both the community officiating, so that's the one for like mums and dads or teachers, you know, people taking their first step into into umpiring, and then also trying to engage with some more females and get them on the park as as quickly and as well supported as we possibly can. Nice. And what sort of work goes into getting people into umpiring? Yeah, so we have. Um, We've got two training courses, so the community one, as I just mentioned, and then we've also got a level two course, and that one is the one that goes over five nights. And so we will run that with an assessment task, and then following that we'll have a field craft and and, um, technique session, and then we'll go through some videos and show them some good technique and some not-so-good technique. And then when we do get them on the field, we always, it doesn't matter if they're male or female, beginner umpires, we get them... Uh, on field with an experienced umpire who is going to show them no, the good things. They're going to you know, be supportive and they're going to show them good field craft as well. Um, and we also have a team uh, of on-field and off-field observers in Sydney and they will provide some feedback uh, to those umpires after the, after the day's play as well. That's really cool. And if you were making a pitch to uh, to girls for why they should get into umpiring, um, what would you tell them? Why not? Um, no, look, sorry. Um, I, I think it's just one of those. It's it, I want like there's so many players that play cricket, and and if you're not going to play for Australia because that's only a small number, umpiring is is another fantastic way to stay involved in the game that you that you love. It is as cliched as it sounds. It is the the best seat in the house, uh, and you get to see fantastic fantastic events happen like the um 
last year against Sri Lanka when Alyssa Healy scored, I think it was 140 something, um, very, very quickly at North Sydney. That was just fantastic to watch. Um, you know, now being, being involved in the matches at the moment, it's just there's so many um, aspects to it, then, and it's great to be involved uh, in any in, in the environment. And then we've also got, you know, the transferable skills that I always try and punch in there that, you know, if you, if you, work on this then you can transfer transfer it to other aspects of life as well so and really just give it a go because you might be umming and ahhing about it but you don't know until you until you try really it's a pretty good pitch and you mentioned how good it was to be in the in the front row for Healy's 148 and I'm sure you've, you've traveled overseas and you've had some incredible experiences what are some of the favorite experiences that you've had around the world through umpiring can I, can I talk about an experience? It's not while I was umpiring, but it's I was overseas for umpiring, if that of makes course. sense. Um, sure. So it's sort of, it's off field, um, but it was when we were in uh, India in 2016 for the Women's World Cup there. And we're in uh, Dharamasala, which is the uh, the ground with the Himalayans, Himalayan mountains in the background. And we uh, the Dalai Lama um, lives um, in there as well. And so we were told, look, we, no, sorry, let me take it back. We, we asked if it would be possible. We'd heard the Dalai Lama was out um, away. So we asked if we could go up and have a look at the palace and, and have a look around. And then we're like, yep, no worries. And then we got a phone call back through our security and how things work in India, I don't know, but our security guard knew someone who knew somebody who knew something else. And so they said, well, if you get up early, then you'll be able to meet the Dalai Lama. And we're like, we'll, we'll be up early. We, we will be coming to that. So it was quite a bizarre experience. There was myself, or um, the, our umpiring team, um, and then the Indian women's team and the England women's team. And so we were all sort of led up around a path and then the, the Dalai Lama came out and he said a few words and then we all went along and, and shook his hand and was blessed by him, I guess, for one of a, um, not, yeah, for one of a better word. Um, and that was just, I was standing there with Simon Fry, who is he's another Australian umpire, and we're like, this is surreal. Um, it's just insane that because of cricket and because of umpiring we are meeting the Dalai Lama um, so that's just that's just probably the, if, yeah when I come think of my highlight it, that would be that because it's just something that would just never happen um, if you no, yeah, something that you if you're there just there yeah. as a tourist, it's something that's yeah, you'd happen. never think that that those two would sort of collide. But there you go, absolutely not. And what's the coolest place you've been to? Oh, the coolest place I've been to, I don't know, Laura. Um, I mean, we've been to. Oh, that's a tricky question. I'm glad you can edit this. Um, I'm really sorry to add to it. Um, but oh, the coolest place, I mean, India was definitely an eye-opener. Um, definitely an eye-opener. Um, but, I mean, even in 2017, we went to uh, Samoa for the East Asia Pacific World Cup hall. So that was probably the most, like, it was, it was beautiful um, and probably one of the places where I wouldn't have thought we'd be going for cricket. Um, so that would potentially be a, the, you know, if I had to pick the, the coolest place or the, the one place I wouldn't have expected to go to, that would, I think we'd have to put that one down there. Claire, you've had so many experiences through umpiring and you've definitely told the Scoop listeners why they should get into umpiring. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on and I'm sure our listeners will love listening to you and hopefully jump into the programs. Yeah, no, fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.